Welcome, everybody, to Navanti Hub. Um, I don't even have a name for this type of an episode, um, and uh, I don't have an intro. So my friend, Ariel, is here, and now, Ariel, I'm going to let you introduce yourself, and we're just going to talk about whatever the same heck we want to talk about. <laughs> oh, I do have one question. Okay, what's that? Are we allowed to cuss on this podcast or no? You can cuss. That's okay. fine. You know that's an important clarifying question. It is. Me. No, I put the little E next to our podcast in case in case a little naughty word slips out. <laughs> okay, perfect. Because it will. Okay. Um, so my name is Ariel. Uh, we have been friends for, God, how many years? <laughs> 20 years, right? Something like that. Something insane. We at least met um, 20 years ago. We did. Yeah, because it was, I think, fifth grade. Is mm-hmm. when we met. Mm-hmm. So we've known each other through... So much growing up and so much of life and so many crazy experiences that we've had over so the years. So much has changed. So much has changed. And now here we are recording a podcast and we're both 30. We're both married. We both have pets. Yeah. You own a house. I know. That's crazy. Know. So much has changed. Um, a little bit about me, I guess. I'll, I'll just do that. Um, I'm a Navy spouse which is so funny, um, a property of the DOD. I live in Spain with my husband, Travis. I That's pretty much it. That's what I do right now. I think you being a Navy spouse, which we've talked about many times over, is probably the craziest thing that has changed um, it's like throughout quite, all the times we've known each other. Like quite literally the very last possible thing I could have ever become on the list of possibilities. I know. But here we are. So anything is possible. <laughs> I know. Well, and you're having you're having a great time. I mean, as great of a time as you can with, you know, your spouse being in that type of a situation. But you've made a little community for yourself on base. Uh, sorry, listeners, my dogs um, see squirrels right now outside. And I'm recording outside because I'm not going to sit inside when it's nice out. Um, so if you hear some barking, deal with it. Tell me and the listeners a little bit, if you whatever you feel like sharing about your your little community that you have. Yeah, so let's see. Since I've been in Spain, um, I've been here for actually a year and two days officially, which is very exciting. So I just had my my one year anniversary in Spain, um, and it was a really challenging year. Uh, We had a lot of stuff happen. there's a lot of stuff in my personal life that went down. And so for the first six months that I was here, I was in a pretty sideways place. Um, The SOFA agreement that the United States has with Spain is pretty limiting for spouses to be able to work. And so hold on, hold on, hold on. When you say SOFA agreement, (laughs) what the heck is that? I'm thinking of of couches. So (laughs) SOFA agreements are, essentially um let's see what's the easiest way to explain it the base that we are on in Rota, spain isn't actually a united states naval base it's a, a spanish base so the armada owns it and the u.s navy essentially rents space from the armada um it's kind of cute for us to be here <laughs> yeah it's, it's a little bit cute my favorite part about this whole situation <laughs> I tell this to everybody, is we are the United States Navy or Estados Unidos Armada. De Armada or no, it's Armada de um, Estados Unidos. CCC. Um, that's how good my Spanish is. But, <laughs> but the Spanish 
maybe it's just the armada because they were the first navy and so everyone else is armada day and the spanish navy is just the armada so don't call them armada de espana because that's not what they are they are the armada wow that is what an accomplishment i mean I'm not a big military fan in general, so Cheers. <laughs> kind of saying that tongue in cheek. To the colonizers. <laughs> to the colonizers. Um, Ariel, what do you have going for you right now as far as all your little projects? So currently, as always, I have who knows how many projects that I'm working on. Um, mm-hmm. My main focuses right now um, are my little home-based business that I have, which are my Lucky Locks hair sparkles. Um, I started doing Lucky Locks because my old roommate, Danny, was also a sparkler. Lucky Locks is a great little company that's based out of Oregon. Um, And there's just these like fun little silk hair sparkles. And I would always have sparkles in my hair when I was back in Oregon. And since moving out here, I missed them. And when I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do with myself, Danny was like, well, you should just, why don't you just become a sparkler? So I did that. And it's actually been a lot of fun. Yeah, it looks like you're having a lot of fun with it. And I love that it's something that was based in Oregon, which is where you were before you went to Spain, where we met for the listeners who don't know either of us. Um, And (laughs) I love that, that, you know, that little bit of, not that it really (laughs) makes you feel like you're at home, but like that little bit of your home state, which isn't like a big popular state, followed you all the way to Southern Spain. Indeed. And they just, they make people so happy and they make me happy. And I was like, well, if nothing else, I'll get to have sparkles in my hair, but people here really seem to enjoy them. So I'm doing that. I'm volunteer teaching a lot of yoga right now. I've got a phenomenal roof since I've been hosting some free classes on my roof. Um, I volunteer with an organization on base called the USO. Um, And I've done some just like some little mindful movement meditation classes. I did a baby bunch yoga with them, which oh was um, a parent and me so cute. <laughs> class. And it was adorable. Uh, that's my favorite thing to teach. Were I the also, babies good listeners though? Oh, they, I think the babies were actually the ones who are the best at yoga. Wow. Cause yoga is wow. all about being present. Right. And that's oh. quite literally all that babies do. <laughs> They're nothing but present. This moment right now is the only thing that matters in their world. Yeah. There's no anxiety about the future. The past. Yeah. Their little brains aren't powerful enough yet to to feel anxiety. Exactly. Yeah, well, they didn't even think about that. Um, but that sounds really cute. It was adorable. It was adorable. And those classes used to work so well as birth control for me. And now... And now they're the opposite. They, it's the exact opposite. And I came home and I was like, wow, that's... All right, noted. I'm going to get a cat now um, <laughs> instead of getting That's pregnant. So That's so funny. <laughs> oh, goodness. Pesto is looking at the um, our uh, pool sweep, is uh, roboting around, cruising real fast throughout the pool mm. right now. And then um, every once in a while, it like uh, it goes like real hardcore up the sides, you know, and kind of like it does, um, oh, yeah. what am I trying to say, like, like wheelies and and, or like surfing or something and it like goes but like pokes up out of the water a little bit and like bubbles around and then goes back down I think it's really cute and pesto 
just noticed it. And so she like ran to the corner of the pool and she's like watching because she doesn't know what's going on. Um, anyway, so sorry, this is a this is an auditory mom there's a creature <laughs> she'll sometimes there's a creature in the pool just, especially when our pool was very swampy last year which is the whole thing that's like a whole podcast by itself um but our pool had lots of trials and tribulations last year and uh so when especially when it, the water wasn't clear pesto w- would stare she would like stand in one spot like around the pool and bark like a mean evil bark at the pool <laughs> And be freaking out. And I'm like, is there a monster in our pool? I'm like, I can't think of anything. I mean, she might have just been confused. Or maybe she was seeing her reflection. I don't know. But she's seen a mirror before. So I don't know what it was. But I am am not convinced that she did not see a sea monster in our pool. So... I mean, did you perform like an exorcism no, or anything? I, on I your wanted pool? to see. I wanted to see what would <laughs> what would happen when the pool cleared up, and the pool's clear right now, and I don't see anything. And she barks occasionally at it, but not nearly as much as before. So the creature might have fled. Who knows? But anyways, yeah, yeah. so I'm over here. Like you have some kind of interdimensional portal. Maybe that's where the aliens were coming. See, this through is the thing. This is the thing. <laughs> we don't know that that's not true. We can't not prove that. So we're going to get flagged. I said sofa agreement and aliens in the same podcast. (gasps) Well, if we could get flagged, that would be really cool because then that means the podcast would totally blow up. So flag us. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. What else are you doing? What else am I doing? Um, I hear you cook some food. I also have my foodie project, which is, um, it's V-B-B-Q-U-E-E-R on Instagram, the barbequeer. Um, I am fucking a fantastic name, by the media, way. Thank you very much. I am a social media brand ambassador for Traeger Grills. <laughs> this little grill company called Traeger, <laughs> you might have heard of them. Um, but basically, I just post content and they send me fun stuff to post content with. So um, it's a phenomenal agreement because I can just kind of do whatever mm-hmm. I want. But I try to focus mostly on like vegan and vegetarian barbecue options and also just kind of the diversity that the Traeger has allowed me in my kitchen as somebody who just loves to eat food. Yeah. <laughs> I hear you. Um, and so, yeah, I, I'm a, I'm a big home cook and there's so much fresh, wonderful food in Spain to experiment <laughs> with. And I just laugh I thinking about the food that's in the U S <laughs> the difference is insane. And it's, it's cheap crazy. here as well. Yeah. And you can just go to the supermarket and listeners, you can buy a tomato that tastes like a tomato. It's absolutely insane. I mean, you don't have to go to your local farmer's yeah, market for it. It's wild. It's, I mean, it's wild. Listeners, I when we went to Italy famously for two weeks, I was absolutely astounded by the prices of the food <laughs> at the grocery stores and at restaurants. And Ariel will somewhat regularly send me, you know, like her food haul and then tell me the price. And then I'll cry. It is, I mm-hmm. mean, you can't even get like bagels and some yogurt and like some milk and, you know, like you can't even get like a few less than 10 normal things for less than like $70 now. I mean, it's, you have to expect that you're going to be spending 10 bucks on each thing that you buy at this point. And um, it's not the same in Europe, just in case anybody was wondering. Yeah, it's interesting. I feel like... I feel like we have an idea in the States that Europe is like a wildly expensive place to be. Mm -hmm. And 
in most areas, it's comparable, if not cheaper than it is in the States. Mm-hmm. I mean, with groceries specifically, when I was still living in Bend, and granted, you know, I like to shop at nicer grocery stores and buy bougier stuff. And How I much do you miss Trader Joe's? Oh, God, so much. <laughs> <laughs> Trader Joe's and Target. Yeah. <laughs> Those are like the two that I'm just like, oh, yes, I will. I will be indulging when I get back. But you know, when I was going to the grocery store, say cooking dinner for some friends, you know, I'm buying a couple like fun vegan things, some veggies, which, you know, vegan substitutes are always going to be expensive. And I know that some veggies, and then I had to like restock on my coffee. And I got a six pack of nicer ciders. It would be close to $100. And that's just like for a night of entertaining yep. with friends and some veggies for the week versus here we can go as a couple. So for two of us, instead of just one person, we do our grocery haul per week, probably a hundred to 150 bucks, depending on how much we're needing to restock. But it's mm-hmm. like a hundred bucks for two people versus a hundred bucks for one person. Right. Well, we, I did that recently. We, um, <laughs> we bought some food for like a little like charcuterie setup, not charcuterie in the sense where I was getting super fancy cheeses and fancy cured meats and stuff, but just like, just cause charcuterie is turning into like the term for any type of food spread. Oh, the dogs are running right around me and barking. That was pesto. Okay. Um, anyways, so stuff that was not expensive. And Trader Joe's is actually very, very inexpensive for most of their foods if you were to get the same thing at, like, a nice grocery store that wasn't a Trader Joe's. So Trader Joe's actually has really good prices, Um, unless you're trying to buy in bulk for your family. Obviously, you got to go to Costco or something for that. But anyways, it was, like, $80 to just buy, like, not expensive stuff, relatively speaking, for this, Mm -hmm. like, you know, like a little brunchy type of spread without fancy food and then same thing just like some veggies for the week and it was like 75 dollars, and I was just like what (laughs) this is insane remember in personal finance I don't okay wow they're fighting right behind me hey hey girls it'd be so wonderful if you'd get off the deck um anyways when I went to uh or sorry did you take personal finance in high school. So listeners, we went to the same high school, but she went to like the fancy intelligent part of the high school. And I went to the, the dumb old regular part of the high school. So I don't remember <laughs> all of the same classes that she took, but um, did you take personal finance? No, I took um, micro and macro world economics, <laughs> which is not the same. It's not the same. I can run a world economy. I cannot run my own personal finances is what I've determined in adulthood. Well, see, I took economics and we, we discussed both micro and macroeconomics and I took personal finance. And let me tell you, neither of those helped one bit. So yeah. um, we learned in personal finance that for a small family, $50 per week for food should suffice. Oh, does that suffice for you? <laughs> Was your textbook from 1960? <laughs> Probably. It was the Redmond School District. <laughs> I was like, how? Okay. I mean, I guess this is what we're being told. No, I've never, never once been able to do that. Anyways. Okay. So you're doing barbecue stuff by, um, because you've always liked putting together little spreads and stuff for your friends. So 
I cut you off and then we went on a tangent. So keep talking about that. That's just going to be the theme. It is. Any of our conversations because we're going to hit tangent 10 town. different subjects and 20 different ways with 50 different side tangents. And we'll maybe get to the point, but probably not. Probably not. <laughs> Um, so with that, I, there are some certain like requirements for posting and stuff that I have to meet, but it's always just been really fun for me to experiment with things and figure out, you know, just what kind of food I like to make and to help other people realize that it's actually not that wildly challenging or complicated to make good and also healthy food that Mm -hmm. tastes good at the end of the day I I always hate the the disconnect between like oh well I'm eating healthy right now like you can't enjoy the food that you're eating yeah it can't be both seasonings seasonings do exist um and they are phenomenal and they exist for a reason my goodness (laughs) people if you are cooking and you're only using some salt and black pepper please stop that and use more if you're roasting veggies or cooking veggies or doing whatever with veggies don't just boil them and then put some salt on them or steam them and then put some salt on them and then put them on your plate. You will not like vegetables if you do that. You have yeah. to do other stuff. Oil is not bad for you. Use oil to cook yeah. and use fresh herbs. Just go to your grocery store, buy some fresh herbs, buy those packets, make it easy for you and just mm-hmm. throw those on the pan and then throw the veggies in the oven. It makes mm-hmm. it makes such a big difference. It's almost embarrassing. Yeah, it is. <laughs> and I feel like a lot of us grew up with, you know, bless their hearts, but our parents who <laughs> just, you know, steamed veggies were like all the rage for a really long mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, I couldn't tell you the last time. I'll steam carrots every now and again, but besides that, I don't. One well, we like to. Veggies. We like to steam some stuff or boil some things and then either like flash fry them in a pan or saute saute them or put them in the oven so that they cook all the way through first and then you can just get a little crisp on the outside or something. So Mm -hmm. don't be afraid to mix it up is what I'm trying to say. But yeah, no, bless our parents' hearts. I mean, because that's how they grew up with, you know. Exactly. Poorly, you know, just... can't imagine just like just some steamed steamed soggy veggies or some boiled soggy veggies is just and that's all no wonder we all hated broccoli and stuff and brussels sprouts growing up i can't do the texture that's my biggest thing i have such a hard time with the texture of steamed veggies i need food to have something to like it just disintegrates in my mouth that's we're not yeah we're not not doing doing, we're not doing good (laughs) (laughs) yes we'll not be eaten (laughs) Well, that is wonderful. I'm so glad that you were able to continue that. I mean, duh, you were able to continue that going into especially the Mediterranean area. Wait, is Spain on the Mediterranean? That's all the Mediterranean. Okay. We're Um, not. We're technically on, well, technically we're on the Bay of Cadiz, but um, we are on the Atlantic side. But if you go through the Strait of Gibraltar, that spits you out into the Mediterranean. Okay. Okay. So Mediterranean-esque area area mm-hmm. but mm. lots of olive oil and artichoke god yes oh, <laughs> my, it's like man it's amazing how how wonderful the the simple foods like olive oil like those mm-hmm. basic things it's crazy how much different they are over there they know what they're doing they know how to mm-hmm. they talk about like eating healthy and enjoying your food they know how to do that it's it's pretty astounding to watch people 
in that land cook and they're, make food. They're all about enjoyment, whether it's right? food, wine, life, yes, whatever, conversation. Yes. Yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. All the things that we should actually be spending time enjoying that we living in the United States don't have time for. No. And it's crazy because when we were in Italy, we, um, I I mean, we were just like watching, we did so much just people watching because it was so interesting Mm -hmm. because they live so much differently and with the regular people. I mean, this is just like people walking down the street, you know, walking to work or whatever, but Mm -hmm. everybody's like moving, at least what I saw, people would like move quick. It's not like people were lazy. They would be moving quickly, but not mm-hmm. rushing, if that makes sense. It no. was like they knew they were efficient. They knew how to like get things done. Everybody was on the same page. Everybody was doing what they needed to do. But everybody was also chatting. Everybody looked happy. Nobody looked like nobody had like, you know, their headset Bluetooth or their cell phone and like walking with their briefcase and like, well, I'm so important because finances and my job and blah, blah, blah. They were, everybody was like ready to either go to work or to stop and talk for 20 minutes to their friend that they saw. And it didn't matter either way. Everything was treated the mm-hmm. same. That's the impression that we got when we were watching. I'm like, God, this is where I need to be much more my style to be like it's one of my favorite things in the morning I not as often as I would like but most mornings I manage to go for a walk and there's would you say it's a hot girl walk it's a hot girl walk. okay just checking just making sure (laughs) being absolutely sure oh before my hot girl walk that was a trend on tiktok like a year ago I know for some reason I was just like that is what I do it's fun when you're now in your 30s to like take those to take the trends that the gen z is and the generation alpha or whatever is no longer using and then now we can co-opt it exactly well (laughs) and some days I don't know if I'm a girl or not but I'm still on my hot girl walk and it's fine am I a human we're not sure hot human walk there is (laughs) exactly that's a different podcast for a different time but there's a particular (laughs) section on my little like beach promenade walk that I do. And there's always this group of older Spanish men that just love it. They take up this like one corner where there's like some like flower beds that you can sit on the edge of. And then there's like a couple benches and it's just always the same group, but various members every day. And they just, that's what they do in the mornings is they meet and they sit and they talk and you'll see that, like you'll see groups of people that meet every morning and sit and talk at coffee shops. You go in the mornings. You every see morning, sitting not like Sundays. Every morning, no, every single morning. There's a bar down the street in the mornings. There's a group of old men that sit outside, and some of them are having their coffee. Some of them are having their breakfast beer, whatever it is. But they sit and they talk, and it's hilarious because people just like conversation is a sport here that everybody participates in what a concept (laughs) it's fascinating like socializing because people ask especially coming from then you know where it's like what do you do with your free time oh well I rock climb and I hike and I mountain bike and I paddleboard and I whitewater raft and I ski and I like the list is always endless but when people from then ask me like what do people do here it's like well there are some cyclists Mm-hmm. There are some some runners, some windsurfers, but people here sit and they talk, and yeah. that's what people here do. Well, and it's like 
they're um i love how this they don't have to do right. anything else <laughs> i was i was gonna say this podcast is just turning into us um marveling at europe and then <laughs> that's like all i can talk about now it's all i can think about okay anyways so what it seems like is they might have those activities that they do like doing like the if it's paddleboarding mm-hmm. or cycling or whatever but that's not like it's not like a an, a thing that they like and they have to schedule time to make it happen and they get their ducks in a row to go do it it's just like part of everything is part of everything that's what it seems like to mm-hmm. me so they may like to do activities but it's not like mm-hmm. the way that we think about i these are my list of activities that I like to do. And these are the days that I'm able to accomplish it. They just, it's just part of how they live. And so it's just a different, to me, it seems like if that's, they just have a totally different mindset about doing all these things. It's just part of who they are and it's fine. And okay. I want to point out, you said beach promenade. (laughs) And that's just like a thing that you experience is a beach promenade. And then yeah, these Spanish men sitting on the what did you say? Sitting in front of the flower beds. <laughs> God, like even just describing these old Spanish men talking in the morning is so much better <laughs> than what we have here. But I we noticed that too. And one of our favorite things when we showed up to the first restaurant, which by the way, listeners, if you read my Novanti blog for my day one in Sorrento, you'll find more information about this there. But when we pulled up to La Taverna Azura the first night, um, we were like, we were fine with going anywhere. We knew that any restaurant was going to have delicious food. So we were like, yeah, whatever. And our host had set up, you know, our reservation to go there. So we were like, cool, right on the marina, literally like your seat. Mm-hmm. And then they have the little uh, ba- banister, whatever, like the little open fancy thingy to block you from falling into the sand, I guess. And then it's the sand right there. Mm-hmm. And it was beautiful. Mount Vesuvius just in the background, like that's your backdrop. And it was absolutely amazing. So wonderful setup. And we see, so we're just like amazed at, you know, the landscape, but then looking around at the people mm-hmm. around us, we could not stop just like watching how people were acting and behaving, just living their lives. And there's a group of old Italian men sitting out in front of the restaurant. So we were all sitting in like the main seating area and then like across the boardwalk where you could walk into the restaurant, right in front of the restaurant, there was a table, a special table set up and a group of old Italian men sitting up there. And we were like, who are they? And they were like, oh, they're just the men from the neighborhood. Like they were just. Yeah, that's just, that's just where they sit. Yes. Like, and, what do you mean? Who are they? That's just where the men sit. Yeah, exactly. And it was so funny because it's like they do that every night. They just drink their limoncello. Limoncello. Yeah. Which I, I'm allergic to alcohol now, so I can't drink any of it, which is fine with me because I don't like any of it anyway. But, um, yeah, they just, uh, yeah, they just sit there and just like watch, they just watch people walk by every day and chat. And I'm like, every night you get to just do that. Like that's, that's what we should all be doing. Mm-hmm. Anyways. Okay. Do you have more to say about your barbecue stuff or your food stuff or anything else that you're doing? Cause you're always doing lots of, lots of projects as we just got done talking about how we don't need to be doing all these projects and we should just enjoy life more. What else are you doing? <laughs> it might be my internalized capitalism. It might just be my 
insatiable need to always have my brain thinking about things mm-hmm. but so I have the barbecue um, and then all of my yoga stuff is going to be under Mudita movement um, and that is up and coming I started the Instagram a couple months ago with the intentions of starting it and well hey it was a couple months ago and I'll start it when I start yeah, it whatever. But that will be up and coming <laughs> Um, and then I also write as well. Real quick, is there a um, is there a um, a phrase or a word that they would use in Spanish in Spain to say like eh, like whatever like doesn't doesn't matter like just let it go or relax or anything? Is there anything like that? Because we were told, and by we I mean I was repeatedly told tranquilo, which is chill the fuck out <laughs> when I was in Italy. Pretty much. Tranquilo is also something okay. that's used here. Um, the overarching word that is kind of a, a multi-purpose word that can mean sort of whatever you need it to in the context of the conversation is ballet. Oh, I love it. Uh, so people just, oh, ballet, ballet. Like, it's just, it is, it is what it is. It means okay. It means perfect, whatever, cool. Yeah. Like, it's just a, an acknowledgement of, I, like... I love when languages have that have a word like that that just is it just kind of like means whatever it's like a comfort thing for me it feels like it's it's like a comfort thing and it makes me feel reset if somebody says something like that to me it's totally based on tonology as well so it can be a it can be a question it can be a mm-hmm. <laughs> I love it. like an okay or yeah, yeah. okay keep going yeah I already forgot what I was you talking were talking about, about Mudita and then I rudely interrupted you Mudita Lee right. interrupted you <laughs> wordplay <laughs> very big <laughs> We're like fun. yoga that I will be doing on my Mudita movement ah, um, ooh. Instagram see what I did there so I don't fully have a vision for what Mudita is going to be essentially I'm in the process while I'm in Spain of building my my resume or my repertoire or the tools that I have in my tool belt and I've realized that did you just use French word while talking about building your business in Spain yes Wow. I'm extremely cultured. Not that kind of Megan, podcast, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> I don't know if you know this about me. I'm a very cultured person. Um, <laughs> but I've realized that I I am I am very passionate about um, helping people find joy in in movement and joy and curiosity in their bodies. Um, and you can take that however you want. But <laughs> Essentially, <laughs> Mudita is going to be my family-friendly <laughs> space on creating joyful movement. Um, so I've worked as a massage therapist for a number of years. I'm no longer licensed in that, but I will probably be relicensing once I get back to the States. I'm in a program right now to get my personal training certification. I've been a yoga instructor for 10 years. Um, and I want to be able to combine all of this stuff to just help families get away from overcomplicating the process of moving their bodies together and not just families but families are kind of my my passion I grew up in a house where I was really active with my parents when I was younger and then that as I got older kind of just seeped away um, for a number of different reasons but one of the biggest being the fact that like my parents were too busy and didn't have the time to be able to take care of their bodies. And so their bodies started to break down a mm-hmm. lot faster. Mm-hmm. And we just weren't doing activities as a family because it always had to be like something complicated. And it's like, it can literally just be like 
putting music on and like your family dances together in the kitchen while you're making dinner, things like that, that just aren't a part of American culture anymore. You know, other cultures dance, people dance here. It's part of, part of the culture. It happens everywhere, but in the United States, unless you're coming from a specific generational lineage where dance is a part of your culture, or you have parents who are first or second generation immigrants who have continued the culture of dance. Um, we just don't have like generational movement activities. Right. And it also doesn't have to be as complicated as like the adventure families, you know, who are taking their kids skiing every weekend. Not everybody has the financial privilege or location to be able to do that kind of stuff. So how can we create? Right. Like people growing up in central Oregon, everybody's like, wow, you don't ski or snowboard. I'm like, first of all, no, I mean, I wasn't ever like super, super interested in that. And I was always busy doing gymnastics, but I'm like, we also didn't <laughs> like, that's a lot of money. Not to say that, not to yeah. like disparage people who do that, but it's, it is it, very interesting how there's always the assumption that that's just what you do when you grow up in an area like that. And it's like, not everybody has the means to mm-hmm. be able to purchase or rent that equipment, drive all the way to the mountain, like spend days doing that. Like I didn't, I also didn't have time to like spend days out there. So yeah, it's just funny how that's always the assumption. I'm sure that you got that all the time growing up in the same area. Well, and I think it's interesting because something I'm, I'm just putting together right now is the fact that you and I both have the experience of growing up in central Oregon, which is known to be like, the outdoor mecca, the adult playground of, you know, the Pacific Northwest. And you grew up doing gymnastics and I grew up riding horses and we were both pretty serious in our respective sports. And so we didn't have time to do all of the other things that everybody else was doing. I mean, we played basketball in middle school. We were really good, everybody. (laughs) We were really good. good. And by that, I mean, (laughs) one time I got so hyper during a game, probably seventh grade. I can't remember if it was seventh or eighth because we played both years, not to brag. But we did. I was the one who was inbounding the ball is inbounding even the right word. And I decided it would be really funny to and kind of cool to throw it behind me to turn away from the rest of the court and throw it behind me. And what did I do? I hit the backboard. (laughs) So I (laughs) I threw the ball and it like smashed it was not like it kind of hit, not like it kind of hit the board. Was kind of embarrassing. I like launched it behind me, and it smashed into the backboard. And our PE teacher, who was our coach, was so mad at me because I was being such an idiot. But I was like, I'm hyper. I can't not do this right now. And I also constantly was told about my form while I was shooting the ball. Oh, noodles is stealing my thunder because I would shoot like I was doing a gymnastics jump. You did have very funny shooting form. You still do. I mean, I remember it was probably what, like four years ago, the last time we shot, that's a total shot in the dark. I don't remember, but yeah, no, I still do that. (laughs) You still have such funny shooting form, but it worked. When I was, um, as long as you can kind of make it in. Well, I can't though. That's the thing. And but I, but I also am actually annoyingly good sometimes at shooting three pointers, but nothing else. I cannot yes. do a layup. I would get really. It's all about the power. Yeah, I can like lob the ball poorly and make a three pointer way more often than I can do 
you know, any type of closer shot, certainly better than if I tried to dunk, (laughs) but, (laughs) but I always like kick my legs up and point my toes behind me whenever I shoot. And I can't, I can't not do it. And I think that the last time I encountered this behavior, we play with my husband's family who lives in the area. We play like a home run derby style baseball with like a wiffle bat and just everybody has 10, 10 hits to make sure you get it past the uh, pitcher. And if whoever gets Uh the most out of 10 wins and they're the Easter beast for the rest of the year until next Easter, I have never even come close to winning. I usually get like three, which is fine. I don't, I'm not competitive. I don't really care. And two of the people in the family played college baseball. And so guess who wins every year? Um, Yeah, get out. (laughs) But anyways, whenever... The game is rigged. Yeah, I know. (laughs) But whenever I go to hit the ball, I'm never allowed to pitch, obviously. Whenever I go to hit the ball, I'm always like, like, you know, doing this like gymnastics-y, dancey form while I'm swinging the bat and like pointing my toe behind me. And then when I'm done, everybody's like, you were just like doing gymnastics while you were trying trying to hit the and I'm like well nothing has changed I haven't done gymnastics in 10 years and I can't I can't knock it out of my body also one of our teachers who I won't our seventh grade teacher who I won't name in case she doesn't want to be named whenever I would go up and ask oh sorry sixth grade whenever I would go up and ask her questions I would be and this is when I was still in gymnastics this is my last year ish of gymnastics I, whenever I would go up and like ask her a question for clarification on something, I would be like constantly posing and moving around and like kicking my legs up. And I had no idea. And she's like, I, she told me later, she's like, I couldn't keep a straight face when I, when you were talking with me because you were constantly like moving around and doing all these gymnastics poses and you had no idea. And I couldn't like laugh at you for it. So now she can laugh at me, but anyways, so, okay. That was a whole tangent. Your turn. I mean, I would have laughed at you if I was aware of in her position yeah yeah she put up with so much our middle school teachers really were saints because they put up they were wonderful so much from all of (laughs) they did no thank you to dealing with that it's so funny though because you just like brought up a whole like memory stream of that time talk to me of life and well I just (laughs) you know I will say this over and over and over again like you really could not pay me enough money to go back and relive any of middle school or any of high school like I am so I'm so happy I feel like we've done done our kids such a disservice of being like high school will be the very best years of your life and it's like you know I have had worse years than high school but also (laughs) high school and middle school were terrible you just you smell weird your bones (laughs) hurt like you're horny for the first time and you don't understand what it means and yeah, you don't know anything. God. Everything's changing. You don't know anything. And you don't know anything. And, and nobody's it's chaotic. And nobody's telling you anything. Nobody's telling nobody's you anything. Nobody's telling you anything at all. The the bad kids who are 16 and 17 year old who know the bad way to do things and were not taught properly yeah. how to be like good people, they're fine with telling Correct. you all of the information. And so that's who you learn uh-huh. from. <laughs> Never from a safe source. Yep. No, definitely not from a safe source. I mean, I got my first sex talk under the risers in second grade from one of my friends. That's, I very vividly remember it as well because it was like, no way. No way. No, of course not. He was like, of course. That's how it works. 
he told me something that was not correct. I don't remember exactly what he yeah, said. Yeah, I'm trying but, to remember. Um, come to find out. Yeah, come to find out. <laughs> I'm trying to remember like what my um, <laughs> what my first talk was, and and I don't, but I I do remember many conversations with when I was still in gymnastics. So I I quit when I was 12, about to turn 13, when I like quit my heavy gymnastics career, and so I remember especially the like nine to 12 ish years there were some like Mm -hmm. like 15, 16, 17 year old girls who were on the team and they told us or didn't want to tell us some things that I was like, what is this? And they were like, well, it's like this. And I'm like, I don't, that doesn't help me (laughs) at all. Or they would tell us some things or they would tell us about like when they were hanging out with boys and it was always like such juicy information. And then looking back, I'm like, Oh my God, we should all be arrested. I mean, like, no, we, yes, we should. like, it's just crazy to, yeah, no, we, I am a huge advocate for like, let's tell kids as adults, like us as adults, like let's give kids some better information so that they're not learning from the wrong yeah. sources about what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I am a big fan of the age appropriate body and sex conversation yeah. because, well, I mean, for me, I would have squirmed out of my entire skin and ceased to exist if my parents would have tried to have that conversation with me agreed agreed so I do think it should come from a different adult source that is not your parents right unless you've built such phenomenal rapport with your kids right um that you can talk about that kind of stuff but yeah because I yeah I definitely remember hearing hearing some wild stuff but then thinking about like how grown up we felt we were and the information that we had when we were in middle school. I know. To now thinking about how kids have access to so much more information than we did. And it's like, you're 12, bro. It's freaky. (laughs) I don't, I feel bad. I do feel bad for kids now because it's like, it can, you know, it's that double-edged sword. Like there are good things that can come, of course, from the internet, whatever. The internet's not 100% bad, but it, I can't imagine if we had access even to TikTok, like just one thing or Instagram, oh, the God. way the Instagram is now, like having access to even one platform like that, where you can learn anything. Mm-hmm. I mean, we had Tumblr probably was the edgiest thing that we had Oh yeah, at that age, we which did. I mean, which is pretty good pretty pretty edgy but I mean I had a pretty I had a pretty edgy tumbler I had a couple pretty edgy tumblers <laughs> it was very it was very exciting <laughs> but yeah I mean it's anyways yeah that's a whole obviously a whole other thing I mean we probably would have been TikTok famous with our phenomenally choreographed dances that we used to do oh my god I forgot that we did um a lot of dances <laughs> I forgot it just wasn't in my brain right this second but um I'm still basically in that era of my life (laughs) I am as well I dance in my living room all the time oh yeah (laughs) it's healthy folks do it are you doing anything else with your with your time in your life or anything else that you feel like plugging about what's going on with you if you say no that's also fine yeah I was gonna say um for the most part that's pretty much it for what I'm doing currently I have a couple other fun projects coming down the line that I'm looking forward to. I'm teaming up with a uh, boudoir photographer who's in the area and her and I are going to do a series of sort of like, I hate to say female empowerment because I feel like it's just such like a, like a kitschy 
sort of phrase, unfortunately, now, but essentially working with the female population that we have here, a lot of the spouses going through kind of a similar uh, experience that I did when I got here of having this like disconnect of self and, and identity crisis of self because I wasn't allowed to do like my work that yeah. I'm so used to be able being able to do. I'm not able to provide for myself in the way that I'm normally able to provide. And that loss of confidence causes a lot of issues. And so we're going to team up and do kind of a fun, fun sort of event that'll involve like some fun photos. We're going to host maybe like a little pool party um, and just do like some, some movement, maybe do like some heels work Yeah, just to kind of get women back into a place where they feel fun and they feel sexy. And obviously we've got a high population of moms here and we could spend hours upon hours discussing the loss of identity that happens and it's so easy to have happen here because there's not outside community there's not well, a let's lot do to it do. let's let's just do a six-hour podcast episode right now I'm just kidding right in this <laughs> moment <laughs> no it's it is let's true. talk about motherhood <laughs> from two people who don't have kids <laughs> I feel like <laughs> yeah you if listeners if you want to hear from people who have no idea what they're talking about listen to us um no, I think that that we can definitely do lots of podcast episodes about what that little micro community basically would that be micro community? I don't know. Maybe that's regular community. What that type of a community, all that goes into it, because there's all these like every town and the way that it's structured, the type of people that are there, every community is has very different nuances that are going on that make people feel about themselves in different ways. And so I think that you have. Mm-hmm. You have a gold mine of issues mm-hmm. that you can work through. <laughs> and it's a phenomenal, it's a phenomenal community to work with. But what yeah. I realized coming here was it's actually wildly isolating yeah. more than anything else to be a spouse overseas who's in a position where you don't speak the language, which mm. I love Europe. I love traveling, but living somewhere is vastly different. Yeah. And having to give up your a lot of puzzle pieces that go together into the life that you've created for yourself and the other thing is you know it's not always a choice which is interesting so sometimes people get to choose their orders or they'll get to kind of pick like their top options whether you get them or not hands up we don't know but for some people they didn't choose to come to Spain And so they didn't necessarily even want to be here. And when you're in a position where you're forced to move into a situation where you don't understand the language, the culture, it's an isolating community. It's hard if you don't speak the language to just go out into town and make friends or go to a yoga studio or do whatever you do to find people. Um, It's very easy to just kind of end up in your own little bubble of depression and that's something I've heard from a lot of people here is they just got depressed and so we're trying to find ways to pull people out of it and I think that through movement and through empowerment activities that's just one way that we can do it of helping people reconnect to more just their bodies themselves and hopefully be able to create a little bit more confidence in the spouses that have come over. Cause I, cause I definitely struggled with that in the beginning and finding resources for myself was 
not easy. So I'm, yeah. I'm trying to one, create the resources and two, make them easy for people to find as well. All right, folks, sorry, but the recording got cut off here. So we're going to end this episode at this point, and then we will have a part two coming out soon. Thanks for listening.